This is Van Electric Ghost, and we are live on the air with the Soap Girls from South Africa. <laughs> and we talked to you back on our um, audio podcast, which we still do, but since the beginning of this year, we've been doing video podcasts, and we we really like doing it this way because we, we get to actually see the people that we're talking to, and they get to see us, so... You know, if you want to, see, if you want to see me, you can see, you get to see if anyone's picking their nose. My yeah, no, it's always good to see that. <laughs> Makes you like not just wear your your sweatpants. Though I probably am wearing my pajamas right now, but um. Oh no, we're we're not wearing anything at the on the bottom, so it's fine. <laughs> That's always good. <laughs> um. So yeah, so we talked to you before on our Anchor FM, and we still have that, and this will be on Spotify later. Um. Everybody can see the LinkedIn mean link tree. For your um, the soap girls, please. We always encourage everybody to check out the websites of the artists we talk to, and also on this show, we're actually going to show a video of the band. Um, so we're queuing that up right now, and we're going to get into that, and then we'll talk about their music. But ahead of time, we just want to get you to have a, a flavor of what they sound like in a vi visual. So we've got society's rejects up, and we'll put you on mute, and then we're going to talk to you on the on the backside of it. Okay? Hey, sweet. Screw you. 
society's rejects and now we're back to the main interview hi guys Woo! hello hey yeah it's still kick ass it's still badass Hey, thank, thank you. you. I actually haven't seen the video in a while, so I'm glad I re-saw it. Yeah. I, when I saw you it now, just... I was like, what What happened to those earrings that I have? <laughs> <laughs> you guys channeled kind of like the Runaways. And, uh, hey, oh, that's a huge compliment because we, like, we fucking love them. And we the love their attitude. Good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's why I've, I love, um, you know, if everybody notices, I, I tend to interview female artists because I think in this age, female artists are kind of doing it better than the guys. <laughs> for a lot of cases so so I, I just find that there's a lot of interesting work being done and it's not being uh focused on sometimes by other people so i like to to give uh female artists uh, and producers um their fair time on on the net um yeah hey, well thank you that's fucking cool well yeah because it's like i i just think you know all music is cool I and mean, i'm into all genres but i i am very much into punk i kind of grew up uh, you know, I'm 54, but I grew up like in, in like listening to bands since in, in, like 78. And I, I, one of the first bands I really got into was like Joy Division. And oh, I love Joy Division. Yeah. And it really, I was like, wow, I like that kind of post punk thing. And then, you know, I'm a keyboardist. So it's kind of like when I heard, heard what they yeah. were doing, and it was kind of like pre the first new wave band. And they were doing stuff that was like ahead of The Cure, ahead of Depeche Mode. They had this kind of interesting sound that was, they still had the guitars. But they started introducing like the synths and then they did it in a way that was very stark and kind of punkish. And I, I always, always liked that. I, mean, I like bands like Who's Kadoo and Replacements and Butthole Surfers and all that stuff. Oh, kind of we love the Butthole Surfers surface, too. Yeah. Also, just because it, it, it's not just the music, it's also their attitude and the fact that they, they, the music videos as well, they, they were always different. They didn't fit to any mold. It wasn't trying to be perfect. It was just, you could see that it was. Like people, Raw. yeah, they were just expressing themselves, and that's what it was. It yeah, wasn't some, it wasn't some contrived like. No, I it's not like like and... hair metal bands. You know, I think what happened, like you know, I grew up in the, at the beginning of punk, like where the Clash were big. Um, you know, Joy Division was big. You had, you had, you know, the the um, the Ramones, and you know, CBGBs was really big when I was growing up, and you know, the Talking Heads and all those bands showing up there. Even Blondie, early Blondie's really punk. And uh, I was like, that's what I like. You know, because like, I, I grew up with the bands like Zeppelin and The Who and ACDC and, and Pink Floyd. But everybody started getting too big. And it got a little like, the fans like, you know, we can't never, we can never be like Jimmy Page, right? I can never be Pete Townsend. Like they're too, they're way beyond what I can get to. And so the whole idea with punk was like, hey, I could be Johnny Rotten. I could be Joe Strummer. I could do that. I could be in the Ramones because it's just like the attitude. Uh, and it made people feel like they could be involved in the scene, which I think is really cool. I think it's yeah, it was basically thing. like the voice of the people. They were saying things that people felt as well. And, and they were saying things that maybe other people were too scared to say. And but they were like blatant upfront about it. So some people found that shocking, I think, especially people's parents. But then. <laughs> It's crazy how it all turns around. Yeah. yeah well, like people, the bands that were once controversial in today's times actually seem like they were very good like, moralistic people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like MC5, everybody thought, thought MC5, you know, from Detroit, they thought that they were like, oh, they're so radical. I mean, you listen to any, like anything on SoundCloud today and like, come on, that's not anywhere. Know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For me, even um, the fact that what, is, what are some bands like, where people thought it was shocking. Like even Slipknot. It's like, come on. And, and and like, I don't know. I would say even the Sex Pistols, like their music wasn't like... Wasn't the radical. You know, like, down the world. Yeah. <laughs> but like Nirvana kind of crunches it heavier than they do. Um, uh, and there's a lot of bands that kind of came after them that are actually more punk than them. Uh, so so Because they were kind of produced by guys. I mean, they were Beatle chords in the structures of their songs yeah so so it's, I think like, it's, it's awesome though <laughs> but they I, are I think awesome in a lot of in, in, in a lot of um like scenarios of where people find one band maybe more like i don't know like shocking or something sometimes it's more what they see first yeah not necessarily like what they hear so they'll see someone i don't know maybe like with a mohawk or like um safety, safety piercings, piercings safety and they're facing like oh yeah. my god 
Yeah, I think that's was... a terrible boy. That is. Oh my God! Have you seen that lad? Keep him away from you, Julie. Like, yeah. yeah. Like Malcolm McLaren and uh, you know, and and Johnny Rotten, they had this image thing. The image was kind of. They actually were trying to sell clothes. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> at the beginning, like Malcolm McLaren's like, I want you to like sell my punk style clothes. I really don't care what you sound like. I just want you to sell <laughs> stuff out of my, make people come to my shop and buy it. Um, and so and it worked. It did work. It, it kind of created that whole, you know, look uh, that, you know, and then the Clash kind of took it and made it maybe more legitimate because the Clash, you know, I really love the Clash. But like, getting into your story, you guys like started in a different genre and then came into what you are now, right? To tell people maybe well, that don't know your history. Well, basically, so we always wrote our own music, music and we've always been musical. But when we were... Um, when we were kids, we, we actually used to um, street perform. We would sell soap, homemade soap that our mom made. And, and go down to the harbor and, like, sing. We lived them. in a little village and we would go and, and sing and, like, raise awareness of the public hospitals, children's homes, and places that were in dire need of funding here in Cape Town, South Africa. And we, we would street perform and, and make up songs and skits, different accents. And we've always loved music and entertaining people. And one day this guy with the studio, but we'd heard a lot of bullshit and we were about like, what, 12, 13? He was like, hey, I have a studio. Do you want to come? Um, and just, why did you look at me when I said that? What? <laughs> when you said come, no, no man, come on. What's this what the fuck? Come on. Come on, Get man. your head out the You butt. had your head in the gutter. I didn't even think about it like no, that. So he said, yeah, my head's have... I'm, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> he said i have a studio do you want to um come and record some songs maybe sing and then we were like uh, uh yeah okay, okay whatever yeah. yeah fuck it man so we went and obviously the- yeah we, we wrote some interesting shit it wasn't cool but we could see where we wanted to go but we were always by interesting shocked. she means shit no like <laughs> like we were always shocked by the limitations other people imposed on us and where they thought we should sound what we should do it was very actually very they, annoying and very restrictive they always imposed uh, their image for us onto oh, like, us. Like, we love all music. kinds of music. Yeah. Like, R&B, rock, and everything. And they were always like, no, yeah, no, 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 pop this. music. So they tried to always pigeonhole. Oh, so then we started... Put in a pop. They would want yeah. Pop we started going into re- recording studios like in Johannesburg and all around South Africa. And again, it, it would be cool. It would always be a learning curve. And then once we realized that someone, it's just, it's a dead end of limitations. We actually, no, nah, fuck this. But we had learned enough and then we just, we went another way. And eventually we got our manager. Well, our mom is our manager, but she she only works with us because she believes in what we're doing. Yeah. She, she's really, capacity. yeah, she's really radical if she doesn't like something she'll, she'll tell us straight but one of our songs got picked up by an A&R guy from Universal because we first actually had a, a song a really cheesy song called Boys 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 that got onto a Japanese compilation disc and that was a song that he heard and he was he phoned and he was like hey um, I want to meet with you girls and, and at the time we were about 14 and 15 we thought being signed to a record label was the, the dream biggest yeah. thing especially yeah. like Universal music we were like what the fuck well, like not, this is gonna, <laughs> yeah. yeah we thought it was gonna make our dreams come true music videos because we we didn't have money so we were like oh my music god videos, this is everything yeah. fuck this is gonna be so sick but it doesn't work like that no yeah and yeah yeah <laughs> it's just it's a it's a huge um corporation and it, it really wasn't what we thought and again it took us four years to get out of the contract we had we actually recorded an album the songs were very popular um they got into like the top five on all the major radio stations here but that wasn't the music that we wanted to do so yeah. i mean it was cool music don't get me wrong uh like there's nothing wrong with edm and all that but there was no room for us to grow because it was yeah, either that way or that's yeah. it i think one of the and problems- we couldn't be real like yeah, think, yeah, you, could, yeah. you could never do an interview where you could just talk oh, to people trolling. without a wall oh so they had to they were totally like it's like the machine it's like back back in the 70s you know you had these machines like and some bands kind of controlled their machine like you know the, the stones controlled their machine because they were the machine you know yeah. and and zeppelin controlled their machine because they had a crazy manager that kind of just forced everybody to deal yeah. with them but but you know and, and otherwise if you get into the normal record industry you get into like something like a motown where you get to be one of these teen acts they totally control you you know one yeah. of my favorite artists is the guy named alex chilton and alex oh, chilton was 
Yeah, he was in 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 a band called the Box Tops, and they had this famous song called "The Letter" when he was like seventeen. And then he, they wanted him to keep on doing this like blue eyed soul kind of like Hall and Oates type of thing, and he didn't want to do it. He like he he loved the Beatles, so he went and created a band called Big Star. Big Star is like the Velvet Underground of the seventies. They've got like three five star records that went nowhere, um, uh. and they sound like an American Beatles. Yeah, and and yeah. that's where he wanted to go, but the record companies didn't want him to do that. He had this really good voice, and they wanted him to do like Blue Eyed Soul, and he refused. He wanted to do Beatles music, and so he's like a hero of mine because he's still he got recognized later because like Counting Crows name checked him, a bunch of other bands like REM name checked him, and so like he his band finally got recognized like in the late '90s, early 2000s, wow. and started to make money. But then he passed away, like in the late two thousands. But um, it's it's just interesting um, that you know the, the record companies try to force you into a box, and I, I've seen it like many over and over and over. And that's why I love talking to indie artists like yourselves because your Thank story you. is cool because like, you guys are doing what you want to do. Yeah, it was still a struggle though. I mean, basically what happened even um, because we were so young, then they had this very different kind of image for us. And initially the first album we recorded um, was a, a huge screw up. They fucked up and they paid um, they paid in advance the money to like, you know, to help us survive like rent and shit and record. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, but they paid it into the sound engineer's account. And he was a huge drug addict and mm -hmm. he broke addict. Yeah. He, yeah, he knew everything and he used to bring a gun to the studio. This guy was fucking insane. And we, we were all like, because like if you got a take wrong or something, this then guy was, was mental. It was super aggressive. It was not cool. Oh, it was not cool. Death Row Records. <laughs> and no, but the cover up, they had to cover it up, the people who fucked it fucked it up. Um, so we couldn't tell the big boss at the record label about what was happening in meetings. We had to just keep quiet and say nothing. And so we we struggled and then we had to wait like a whole year later. Um, or like even over a year later to record another album. The problem with um, record labels, especially if you don't know your rights and if you don't mm -hmm. have a good lawyer, then they basically own everything and they screw yeah, you over. Like the master. Yeah, because do you have problems? Like they probably owned your master, right? They owned all your recordings. Oh, yeah. yeah. You cannot release music. You cannot go on tour. You cannot play certain venues unless they approve of even it. Even some <laughs> artists, they've had to... Um, they've had to make a, a band name that's different to their own name just so that they can do the music that yeah, they want. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're not like in the, one of those pro organizations like BMI or pro any of those, right, and they end up getting control of your performance rights, then yeah, even fun. when you play somewhere, you don't get the money. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We didn't earn a cent. We had the stuff playing on the radio. We were like fucking broke. We've broke never been fuck. so broke in our lives as when we were with the record label. We were fucked like and then eventually we got out of the the contract and it was cool i mean the only play we were very controversial as well like because it's a very um i wouldn't say conservative but very like backward country in many in regards of, yeah maybe it's a lot more open-minded now but um when we did the music we were like a shock i mean lady gaga was considered satanic yeah like like oh, they wow. were if they to, <laughs> yeah but so we we the only places we were able to play really were um gay pride parades and gay, um, gay, clubs. gay oh. clubs and that and at casinos and shit and it, it was just it was really shit man not the like not the places playing, we could play yeah, at, those but, people loved it but but it was just really shit that there was no room for growth so you for were kind us. of in an underground scene you, yeah you, you kind of run yeah out. But that but kind of gives you some we, credibility. I mean, it gives you like, then I think that scene will look at you like, oh, they're legit, right? Because you're kind of coming from that kind of. No, 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 no. The record label didn't like it. Oh, no, they we, told us to distance ourselves from like that community. Oh. and Because they were like, no, no. I mean, affiliate with the gay community, but, but don't, don't fully like say oh. that you, you with know, them you, because, you know, there's still family values. Yeah. And we were like, like, what, what? the fuck? So we, that didn't bode very well with us. And we hated that. And we also, we could never change our imagery. They would put us into men's magazine and we without were, our permission. We were like really young. We were like, what the, what the fuck? Oh, is they're this? Trying to, yeah. It's, I think it's all always the, the 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 rub you know because they want to turn you know artists into like objects you know and they just want to sell you like a product and but then I, ironically 
Do you know what the crazy part was? When we chose to dress how we wanted, like normal teenagers, like, you know, with wearing mini skirts and that, well, it was a problem. Then, oh, no, we weren't allowed that. But then it was okay if they said, no, you, you must wear this and you must pose like this. FHM. And, and, and we were like, like what, what the fuck? What that the fuck? Well, they're trying to control the, the venue and the time that you could dress at a certain way, but you couldn't do it on your own. Yeah. yeah. And so eventually we got out of the contract, took four years, but then we were blacklisted. Completely yeah. blackballed, blacklisted in the music industry here. Oh, wow. So were you able to, did you get out of it by becoming connected to like a European label or? No. <laughs> so we, we eventually, um, also what the thing was at the time, we were illegal immigrants. Although we are French, French born, we grew up in South Africa. But and yeah, it's so corrupt. So it took us years to become legalized. legalized. And that oh, was also yeah, shit that was used hard. against us by people wow. who knew about it in the so they knew, record label. They knew that we were in this fucked up situation. So they always had that like over oh, us. Because they could have us deported or shit yeah and it it was really it was really bad um on when I, when i was 18 i had to go and hand myself over i like i was arrested wow so immigration, immigration. So immigration had to you had to go and clean up your immigration paperwork and all that stuff yeah holding it against you but yeah that's yeah. it's the corporate world is like is like not you know it's like the wall street movie you know greed is good <laughs> but eventually <laughs> eventually we got it we got it right this woman who saw us going there every single um week day after day month after month she just took us aside and she took our file and she said you know what i'm probably gonna get fired for this but you know what fuck it i'm gonna give you the stamp of approval and you'll awesome. be legal in the country and i'll never forget this woman she was fucking amazing so we eventually got everything legalized and we we just we were like fucked we had like everything stolen all our guitars all yeah like our mom even had a ring that she kept for an emergency um just for money in case we ever needed all stolen so we were literally just oh, screwed. We were screwed and so we tried to find um like whatever work we could and we saved up everything we could and we got ourselves over to america and then we were recording in new york um that was in i think 2013 yeah mm -hmm. and we again we were everything offered was a, cool and we were offered like this big contract but then when they paid us back the music that we recorded it, it wasn't wasn't it wasn't what we wanted it was again back to the edm stuff which was great but it was like we wanted to break away from it you guys and wanted to be more like punkish like what you sound like now like more rock yeah, yeah. Rock, and yeah. like it was just, just like real instruments yeah it was just very yeah. irritating for us and we were just like what the fuck so we people called us stupid because at the time we had like zero money um they said you're so stupid to turn down the contract but it doesn't work in the way that people think they think that you get signed you'll have a big platform and money to do what you want to do no it doesn't work, it like, doesn't that. work like that you owe all those people that no, money. I mean, even the beatles when they got signed right they got pennies on on the only way they made money where brian epstein got him such a shitty deal it's really bad but because they sold so much content they made money. But when they looked at it, they were like, wow, we got ripped off. Even the, so in an industry where the Beatles got ripped off, like Prince got ripped off, like like Rolling Stones, you know, Pink Floyd, they all had to renegotiate their deals. Like it's it's just a historical mess in, in the uh -huh. industry that then like quite so many modern bands, like you know, Pearl Jam, and you know, they're 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 indie, you know. Yeah, like, like you know, you, you look at a band like Radiohead, they're indie. They they refuse yeah. to be on the labels anymore because like you know, how am I going to do what I want? I can't do it. You know, so I'm going to do, do it our way. It was shit. And then eventually, so we left and then um, we got back and we just kept uploading our own organic videos on. We, we saved up whatever we could to buy an acoustic guitar. And then we were just like Doing our videos. And then somebody contacted us from England after about a year of uploading videos and they and said then, they really love what we're doing they want to book us over for a tour and we're like yeah fucking right like i mean you hear this all the time yeah, and so people you're, you're controlling your own fate then you're doing what the way you want it no but we, we were just like expecting you, it to be a lie because you hear people like oh i want to help you and um <laughs> i'll bring you over and you can play these shows and i've got this booked for you but it's all bullshit but this guy was legit and we went real. over and then we, it was a very crazy first tour. Yeah. Um, I mean, we didn't know anything. We didn't have, uh, uh, how do you call that? That GPS in the car, the... 
Oh, the you know the, the, travel, the track where you're going, then to get the map, you know, to do. Yeah, yeah. We, we had nothing. And we this didn't is know our it. first time in the UK, so we were like, "Where the fuck, fuck are we?" Yeah. And you're we like, had to, to drive anywhere. You're like you're trying to get to the gig. You'd be like, "How the hell did I get to the gig?" <laughs> yeah, we we had no idea, but you know what? It was really awesome, and we ended up um, the first show that we did. It was crazy, and from that show, we just we we got a, a really amazing following of like people that are just passionate about punk and rock music and we were like oh my god this is crazy and every year it's just like growing and growing and we, yeah, we literally have the best fans because i really if you look at what you're doing like pj harvey you know like like you know like if you get into like i said it, it all all the members that have been in the runaways they have that kind of feel but like today like you know i i find bands on the indie underground that aren't really known that channel your kind of vibe and i'm into that because that's what i like but yeah it's like in the popular realm everybody just wants to talk to the same five producers doing the same kind of edm trap techno beats throwing in like hip-hop guest features and you know and it's all kind of derivative and it's like you know people like it if you can bop to it or whatever but like i i'm more of a guy you know i'm into sun raw <laughs> i'm into fucking <laughs> I'm into Funkadelic, you know, I'm into like, 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 you know, Sid Barrett, Pink Floyd. Uh, so if they Pink Floyd, you don't hear on the radio. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like, it's hard to find stuff that's like artistic, you know, that's actually. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a polystyrene sandwich. Someone giving you a polystyrene sandwich. It looks great, but, but then when you bite air. your teeth into it, it's like, what the fuck? But it's seriously, every genre, everyone just sounds the same. I mean, years ago, you could go to a party and, you like even if you look at movies you'd have the offspring playing then you could have Enya on then you could have yeah. like it was just the, like a whole mix like it was the 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 cardigans and you could have the cause and you could even have like um james brown on, and it wasn't like people just listen it was music it was cool now it's almost every genre is the same well the problem is i think it's the doll you know and i've i've railed against this because i mean, like the digital audio workstation for the freedom it gives you to not be in the studio it gives puts in too many it, it, what i think it does is it causes people to try to be too perfect and then it sounds uh. kind of plastic. it sounds plastic so i i personally record to hardware recorders and i use like you know analog and digital that's speakers. the best analog we fucking cool, yeah. love it, it th there's something yeah. about the sound it's so like authentic it, it, it's just it's warm it, it's real yeah, just to think about it, I tell, when I, I work with a musician, I tell somebody, it's like, could you put Keith Richards' guitar playing into a DAW and get it to match the BPM? No, you can't, right? Mm -hmm. So my whole point is, that's the way I want you to write. You know, you, you write like a jazz guy, like like Coltrane or Sun Ra or like Funkadelic. You can't get that to, to map, right? You can kind of force it. But my whole thing is like when I try to play with people, it's like you got to play by feel. You know, I'm a feel. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'll get on my Moog, get with somebody on a drum set, and I like I'll get into a vibe, because that's like that's the old school way of recording. And today everybody just wants to do it on the lane, on on their Pro Tools or in whatever tool they're using. And yeah, you can make it sound perfect, but is it really worth listening to? It's something that we also find, like, when we record it, it's a little bit annoying sometimes, like, live, the energy's there, and then we'll hear, like, the recorded, and we're like, what? It's like, it's it, not the same. It's not the same. So we we sometimes, we, we, we just keep changing it up. We like, and now we've realized, yeah, we also prefer, like, analog. It's it's just it's too it's so annoying when it's clean. It's it's just it's sometimes too sometimes for us and it's like the same. One day I would want to have our own studio because we know exactly what we want because we know how we want to sound and how it's supposed to be. But sometimes even like you working with people and like we sound work with an whatever, engineer, yeah, and we produce it ourselves. But but mm -hmm. like they don't get it. They, yeah, a lot of times they just want to go in and like I had some guy that said he liked the ghost, right? And everything I do is like not tracked. It's not tracked to BPM. It's all like I track, I go and manually play every track. I go and physically play it. I don't do it on a grid. So he tried to like match my style. And he's like, oh, I can't, I can't sync up to your BPM. It's like, you're never going to sync up to my BPM. You're going to have to actually play. You're going to yeah. have to sit down with your instrument and play against my track and, and kind of deal with the happy accidents and actually play to it. 
He's like, oh, I'm trying to do it on the grid. It's like, well, you're not going to be able to do it on the grid. <laughs> I, yeah. I think people are so obsessed with perfection that they they can't handle. It's the same even, you know, with Photoshop and things like that. All those things are great tools. I mean, look, maybe someone's got a, a, a massive zit and they've got to be on the cover of a magazine. I get it. But yes, it's gone to the point where when people see reality, they, they, they don't, don't know, know how to react to it. And they think that it's ugly or something, but they don't realize that imperfections are what make us unique. Yeah, I mean, it's, to me, if you listen to some of the greatest music that, from the 60s and 70s, and you get the history behind it, there's tons of happy accidents. You know, there's tons of, like, accidentally changing the key or accidentally changing the timing. You know, if, I, I, like I always tell people, like, you listen to, like, a song like Todd Rundgren's, like, Hello, It's Me. It's a real mm. famous, like, love song, right? If you listen to it real close, you can hear the errors there's tons of errors in the in the final mix, and it was put out that way. And a lot of songs in the '70s, if you listen to them on headphones, you can actually hear like the mistakes. But it actually makes it what it is. And exactly. If you, if you try to fix it, it would actually change the character of the song. You know. Same. Even even like you know in the movie Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Like, so that scene where he's trying to teach her the moves and then he has to go like this with her arm. But she, and this wasn't supposed to be in the script, she kept laughing. The actress kept laughing every time he did that. And he was getting pissed off with her. And she's like, okay, I'm sorry, we'll do it again. But they used that in the movie because it was, it was so real. Deal. It was so it was real. real. Yeah, yeah. They actually hated each other, apparently, and it just added to it. <laughs> well, I think directors make those choices. And I think, like, a good producer realizes that instead of doing a hundred takes, then maybe it's the third or fourth take. And maybe it's the, 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 the voice that was off your phone that ends up being the lead vocal because that one actually sounds more real than the highly processed, perfect one. And like a lot of times what you find is like, it's like it's the first couple of takes that actually have the honesty of the song. And I exactly. No, we have a thing when we're in the studio. If it takes more than three takes, stop. Then we swap out with each other. We're like, fuck off, get out. And then the other one will do it. You 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 hit your shot or you don't. Otherwise, you lose the, yeah, the, the character. Yeah. yeah, I think the honesty of a song, like as a songwriter, I think you're most honest on the first couple of takes. And then yeah. you start like second guessing yourself and say, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Or maybe I shouldn't have done that. Or maybe I'm revealed. It gets mechanical. Yeah, then you're like trying to capture something that you actually did, right? You actually did it right. And maybe there's an error and then you keep on trying to fix it, but you can't get the feel because yeah. like you're, you're a human being and you felt that a certain way when you wrote it. And then the further you get away from it, you kind of Xerox in yourself and then it gets weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And then you're like, I always tell people like, like, I don't care if there's an error. I don't care if there's a little noise in there that shouldn't be there. If that's the best one, that's the one we're going with. <laughs> it's the same though, like even when you're on stage, the moment you start thinking about what it is that you're doing, oh, yeah, then it it's a fuck up. <laughs> yeah, fuck like you fucked. That's it. Like you're gonna screw up. So it's, it's just the like same. whoa. It's the same in the studio. You shouldn't like be thinking that hard about it. Like just do let it. it go. Yeah. I love to do stream of consciousness. It's something like I might have something I wrote down, right? I write, write down like the main melody and I might have like have a hook in my head on the bass. And then, but then when I go to record, I just hit, the, hit all my recorders and I just go, right? And then I, and then I go back and I listen to it and I say, well, that's the groove. And lately what I've been doing is I actually go live and do like an hour set and just randomly do whatever. And then I go back that's and so listen cool. to it. And then I find the songs. And one of the things, the reason I do it is like, um, like Neil Young used to, with Crazy Horse, they used to just go play like for hours. And then he'd have it on a reel and he'd go back to it a couple of weeks later and listen to it. And he'd have all these reels from different sessions and he'd start mixing and matching. And Zappa, Frank Zappa was famous for that too. And I'm like, that to me is like a better way to record than trying to force myself into a three minute song. Yeah, I'd rather just go and do ideas and then say, Oh, this idea works good. This one from here, and then kind of work on it from there. And I think it just feels more like there's there's like heart in more heart in what you're doing. If you kind of let your freedom to create, you don't put like too many constraints on yourself, you just do whatever you're going to do and then see what That's comes out. That's very true. 
it's yeah. true sometimes you'll be like just i don't know playing around on an instrument and then you end up writing something maybe it's the lyrics are a bit of a jumble so you you but like the melody is yeah that. yeah you might yeah. have it yeah you, yeah i mean tom petty was famous for just mumbling things like i was watching a thing on it he'd have something he'd just kind of scat it he'd scat the lyrics and he wouldn't have a structure he'd have the melody he'd have down but then he's like i don't know what the words are but I'm, I, this is what i feel and then he'd go back and refine it but he'd have that first cut where he's like that yeah whatever i'm scatting you know kind of just made up words or whatever but that's the feel of what it should be and in to me that that's what you do you don't say well i got i can't do it till it's perfect no you you kind of you, you just got to do this kind of stream of consciousness kind of this random uh jam kind of thing and well, let you know, happens let what happens happen yeah yeah because to me it's like it's like you just like music is like poetry and people used to call like the muse like the po romantic poets like like uh if you get into like blake and tennyson and wordsworth they they, they say well there's this muse and it's like channeling through me and i'm coming up with all this art because the muse is like i'm picking up this universal feeling of a poet what a poet should have right and i just pick it out of the air and i think musicians do that too it's like if they yeah when you when you find lyrics or a song it's like it, it, it didn't exist and then it's like you kind of grasped and you're but like, then what's what? scary is like if you weren't doing that in that moment in time that song wouldn't exist yeah it's weird it's kind of like you know like it's, there's a funny story about hendrix he was working with like the isley brothers as a sideman and he would be in the studio and then suddenly he get this idea and he would just put it on tape and it wouldn't be anything like what the song they were doing. And he's like, what are you doing, Jimmy? What are you doing? He's like, well, I, I, the, the universe gave me and I had to put it down. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and he, and he, he was known for being very kind of cosmic, you know, and he would just say, yeah, it's coming from the universe. I got to put it down. I, I, I'm sorry if it's, it's, it's if, if it messes up what you're doing, it's like, sorry, but that's, that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, I think that's the kind of artist that, you know, if you open yourself up to everything that's out there and you kind of like say, I'm, I'm going to channel it and I'm not going to like, I'm not going to try to edit myself. I'm just going to like, if it, I'm just go with it. And I find as I get older, I try to do that more and more. I try not to like overthink it. It's that's better. The best way. It's the same. Even, you know, like with dancing, you can, you can dance with someone, but if there's, if you're not like both free but and you're both stiff or whatever it's gonna be shit yeah it's gonna oh. look bad <laughs> yeah that didn't <laughs> sound good also what? you both stiff why why are you both stiff <laughs> i'm sorry well yeah it's just like you gotta have this kind of connection like when you play with a like a band like if you're in a jazz band right everybody kind of feels each other right like it's like if i'm in a jazz kind of quartet and i'm playing boards or something like and people are like, oh, did you guys plan that? It's like, no, it's like we kind of know each other, right? We know yeah. each other's like way the way we play, and I can just like just looking at the drummer and picking up what he's doing. It's like I can figure out what to do, and he don't got to tell me, and you know the guitar player doesn't have to yell what keys in. Like no, I I can just you just get into it. it. Yeah, you just kind of feel it. It's all feel based. It's like if you get into jazz and blues and stuff like that, it's all kind of feel based. And the problem today is like it's so anal get so like, yeah oh i gotta be right on that 115 bpm or the 160 or i gotta be in c or i gotta be in i they they're so tight that they're 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 draining all the creativity out of it you know because it's like if you're going to be that tight then it's like you're not giving me enough of a of a of a, of a palette to go where i want to go exactly um, it's like wearing really tight pants if your yeah. booty can't move, then you can't dance. Yeah, yeah how do you just... get funky like that? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like that's not like a Studio Fifty Four thing. He's like, <laughs> how am I, I going to do that? Like, I can't do that the way you're doing it today. Like, but um, yeah. So, so what are you guys? Are you guys working on like a new album, or are you just? Yes, we are. We've got our fourth album almost completely done. Um, it's been tricky because with COVID in South Africa, then the studio and everything closed down, and then changing the level of um, oh, when like the lockdown. How many people can be in the studio? 
no 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 it's just, just like the, the the lockdown levels it's it's so, so sometimes there's a curfew like you can't leave your house past a certain hour and you have to be back and, and then, then also power cuts. yeah the power outages were so bad like at some points that you'd go into the studio and then for six hours there'd be no power it's, so it's like well okay so what's the crazy there, Bella? i hope they're not bailing you when there's no power <laughs> <laughs> fuck up so yeah. uh, so then we yeah we've almost finished recording we've got about 18 tracks i think we want to maybe write some more and then um we are gonna release that only next year just before we go on tour but we'll re- release some singles and then, and then it's gonna be like a full project are you gonna you think you're gonna do all 18 or will it down to like more manageable We've already done a a double album before, and I think we had like 19 tracks on it. And I think it's just very expensive to put that many songs onto one album. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we might have to keep some tracks aside and then maybe just to have them as singles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I mean, one thing I've been looking into is like like micro vinyl releases. Um, Just because, like, when I used to go to New York and Boston, like, if I came with like vinyl, just like a hundred of them, I could sell them all. Right. And I can make more money selling like a hundred vinyls at like 25 bucks us than oh. than I can like make on Spotify all year. <laughs> but one thing about Spotify that is cool. Um, I think for any artist, unless you are backed by a crazy big record label with a lot of cash, um, I think no one you, you won't really like make money off spotify which it's sad but like because it, it's crazy that but someone doesn't only... get compensation for their art but it does help to spread music out yeah it's like the radio you know the way yeah, I look at it, it's, it's, it's like it's like the radio it's how i get other gigs right i get i mean i get my podcast gig because i did my music i get like influence marketing because I do this, I, I get so it's them. a great tool in its own way. And I think people, when it comes to technology of now and the social media, you got to just look at the good and the bad of it. And I mean, um, it there's more good to it. I mean, it just gets your music out. And if you get onto playlists, you you reach people even more. you would never have reached. Yeah, I, even, I, think, I just wish they would the rate would be higher or higher for the for artists. Yeah, yeah that is it I, is pretty I, bad. I think they there does need to be something about the rate because I think. I do appreciate that I can get world, worldwide reach and I get, you know, like when I was young, you had to play the, you know, the pizza shop at a bar and you could get, the, you get the town, like you go to Boston, you could get known in Boston. So then you keep on booking shows and you really make the money because you're playing in a place near Fenway Park. Like there's this EDM club near Fenway Park where the Red Sox play and there's, there, you can go in there and you can do like interesting stuff and you can make, you know, more money than you make on Spotify in one night. Um, but you know, you're just in Boston in Boston yeah. is a big city, but like, it's, it's better if you go to New York, it's better if you go to LA, you know, it's better if you go to Louisiana or go to Nashville. Um, and so those are the places that you really want to reach. And because of the pandemic, I just been doing these online shows. Uh, but I've been getting like influence deals. I've been doing like, you know, marketing for iOS apps, uh, That's you know, so cool. CBD oil, you know, t-shirt. That's so you try it out. Yeah, yeah. I'm selling this t-shirt now. So <laughs> people go to my hey. shop. Hey, but see, yeah, that's yeah. the way to do it. Though. That's the only way to do it. I mean, even our Instagram, actually, we had it for eight years. And it got taken down. Uh, just over a week ago, Um, yeah, it's actually that. really shit. We had 26 and a half thousand people that we'd like most, a lot of them we'd met like through touring and the shows and stuff. So it was just like, what? like what the fuck and then to have it like all gone and have all to start photos. all over again it's very yeah, that's, frustrating that's, i don't understand why they choose to do that and then certain things are up that i don't think should be up um so i'm like okay you guys like don't they yeah you know, in the u.s there's a whole other discussion there but there's a lot of people who think they should be re- regulated like like a radio station um, um it's um, so boring though i mean it's kind even, of crazy even people that say like oh but there's kids or whatever on the social your media children, sh- your, your kids shouldn't be on fucking social no, media but your and children that, should be educated to know that it's empowering for people to dress how they want without it having it's not sexual it, for me the thing is if you shaking your genitals and and stuff like out oh, in public and that and there's that's, kids that's, yeah, that's that is pretty up. fucked up man but if you're wearing a bikini or your body painted boobs are natural it shouldn't be a taboo yeah, thing well, I, think, I think it's kind of ridiculous the the, 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 the you know, because the people they you don't understand why they have to like um you know, regulate 
people's expression of, of their body. Cause I mean, if you're a model, if you're a painter, if you're an artist, you're a visual artist, I think you should have a right to present yourself however you want. Right. And, yeah, like, and if kids, you know, and the parents like, okay, if you don't want your kids there, then make sure they don't go there. Right. But, but it's like, that's kind of like parenting. You're like, why do I have to parent for your kid? Like if I, can I have stuff that's pretty, pretty risque? You know, I have content that people have complained is like, Oh, my kid listened to the ghost. And you said this, it's like, Oh my I, gosh. I, I always say this. If you don't like me, don't like me, but don't go try to take me off. The but air. also no <laughs> offense. If, if those people, if those people listen to like the mainstream radio, um, I'm pretty sure they've heard worse shit than that. Like even that yeah. song fucking what's that wet ass pussy, that song. Yeah. Like if you listen to the lyrics of that song and they play that on radio. Yeah, like, I know, we, right? we've even had some family members that are like shocked by us, but then the the 13 year old daughter singing See, that is some whores like, in this house. There's some whores. Yeah. And, and like, we're like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. okay. You never understand, like, you know, like the Rolling Stones were able to say all kinds of things if you go into Jagger's lyrics, right? And it made it to the radio. And you got Lou Reed, like, if you think about walking the wild side, right? There's all that, that made it past the censors, right? And so the people were like, well, how did that make it past the censors? And this didn't, right? You know, so it seemed very arbitrary what they do uh, and who they let say what. And so my whole thing is like, you know, I'm going to keep on doing what I think you should do. I think artists should be allowed to be, do their art. Yeah. If, if it's you don't same... like it, don't watch it. <laughs> well exactly yeah. it's the same everyone the thing for me is this freedom is not just based off one person's perspective we should all be able to express ourselves you might not like what someone else has to say but the fact that they can say it is fucking beautiful and that is what you call freedom one of my favorite though is you'll get like a hater and they'll complain every single day like saying this is disgusting this is disgusting it's why, like, are you well, watching? Actually, why are you watching this yeah it's like well thanks dude you're actually my biggest fan because i mean you're on here every day you're giving so. me tons of views. you're giving me views so there's something weird about what you're saying can you keep on viewing it if yeah. you hate it so much why you keep on viewing it? it's like it's like eating a piece of shit eating it and then being like oh well, this like is it. gross this tastes like shit well, but you carry on well i gotta see if it changes in the next day is it gonna change it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, I, I used to get so, I used to get so frustrated by, by that. But now I actually just don't care when I, when I see people and they, it's not just necessarily me. Like if I see someone being demeaning about someone else's appearance, I'm just like, are you like, who the fuck cares? Are you all right? Like what the, what, my like, whole thing so is a lot more. of people that do this aren't creators. Right. So like, like if you get, if you're just the critic, you're the constant critic, right? And you're out there hating on everybody, right? But you don't create anything. All you do is criticize. And I, my 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 respect for that person is like zip, because like, yeah. like creators are people who take the time to put themselves out there, right? You you as a creator, you're putting your heart and soul into something, and then somebody wants to rip it. It's like okay, that's your job is just to rip people, but you don't do yeah. anything positive. So I like I really don't respect that. It's like like. Like do something and show some value. Like just sitting around doing negative criticism that has no constructive nature is not a help for anybody. Do you know what I think it is? I think they're just furious because deep down they feel they deserve some notoriety or whatever. Or fame. Or fame or something. And they feel furious because in their mind, how dare you? Because they feel superior. They, I don't know, somehow they've got this God complex and they're like, how dare this person like assume me, my position? And yeah. they're, they're like enraged. They, yeah, they, they take the stage as a, this negative factor, you know? Yeah. And then that, that gives them their notoriety because they're, you know, the hater. <laughs> it's definitely a jealousy thing it is yeah. not there's no happy person on this earth that would actually go out of their way to be horrible to someone i i can tell you now i i i just i i just laugh I actually no, yeah they're miserable yeah people. they're miserable with themselves they have nothing else to do uh yeah. but you know go against somebody else's creativity but so so when you do this new record, are you gonna be able to tour it, or are you still having a lot of trouble with? No, so, no matter what. I mean, we tour. Every, well, before COVID, yeah. we were touring every single year for well, eight months, 
And now this has been, re- this, this is the, the longest, longest we haven't been like out on tour for, but by the end of March, 2022, we plan on being, we will be on tour, on tour again. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, even our fans, our fans are so amazing. Even in America, everywhere through the live streams, they've helped us stay alive. Uh, like we, we couldn't have... help me gain five pounds. No, no we, we couldn't, honestly, we couldn't survive. We couldn't do the music. We couldn't be who we are without the amazing support of everyone um even through the pandemic people ended up discovering our music and the live streams and it's just ever grateful for that wow like yeah yeah i think live streaming has been a big thing for me i mean because that's what we do with this podcast but also like with with the ghost music i i do constant live streams and i've been you know doing the festival uh i think i don't know if i told everybody here but you know we last year in july we did this peg bedroom producer festival with 22 of the guests that have been on the podcast since 2018 and uh everybody did like a 30 minute set and everybody it was really cool to see all the different types of music that you know the people that i've interviewed and well our idea is to create this kind of community like the, the people who have been interviewed on this podcast some bands have gone on to co-collaborate with each other I've had artists that actually have like watched an episode and then contacted another artist that I interviewed and then contacted me and then say, Hey, and then they got together and they actually worked on something. And I think that's fucking cool. Yeah. And that's what I want. I want it to be kind of like the dead. You know, I want it to be like a community of artists that decide to to do that. That's the point because you know, if we build a collective of, of, of part podcast creators and we can kind of co-collaborate and work together and do our own shows, then we have, you know, I actually even got something worked out with um, one of the artists that we have in, in New York, Kendra Black. She has her own record label and we've talked and she's actually been on the show and she performed it at the festival about doing this in New York live when COVID's over. Hmm. They're actually having some venues that she has access to and actually doing live a live version of the festival. And that so would that would be cool. fucking cool. That's but so again, cool. through adversity, people end up being very creative and you you end up seeing um like I would say the, the true sides to people and anyone like that's got another artist back, I think that's really awesome. But also I think it's really cool that you yourself are also an artist and you've given people a space to just express themselves themselves, yeah yeah. and people obviously feel like a connection and safe enough to want to work with other people that you have worked with so it's really cool yeah my whole point as an artist was like i saw some podcasters like charging money uh, and only talking for like 15 minutes and i'm like you know my point was like i love to to watch documentaries and like behind the music on vh1 they used to be out there and and learn the history of artists because I'm a fan first. Before I was a musician, like I was sitting there listening to the Beatles, listening to all my brothers, listening to Miles Davis. And my dad had be had this massive record collection when I was a kid on vinyl. And he'd just sit on the weekends because he was a salesman. So when he got home, he would just sit and listen to vinyl. And oh. and I would just sit and he would have he had a you know Motown, he had jazz, he had rock, he had everything. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And it got me into wanting to be a musician because I just heard all this great music and I'm like, I want to be able to, you know, communicate with other artists and give them the space so that they can express, you know, what their vision is. And that's what the whole point of this is, you know, is to, is to allow people to do that. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. And it's fucking epic. <laughs> well, I'm trying try to make it as, as big as I can. Cause we're, you know, we got about 33,000 listeners on, on, on Spotify on the audio version of the podcast We've been getting a couple thousand through YouTube and Facebook. Uh, it's building because you know these platforms are harder to get numbers on. Um, yeah. But but yeah, we're hoping that that as we do these festivals more often, we we'll try to do them twice a year. Uh, so we're planning doing the one in February, another one in July. Uh, is to actually eventually get sponsors at the indie level uh, to actually support indie artists doing these kind of shows and eventually make the shows like live after COVID and places like New York and doing them in like California and stuff if we can. So I think it'd be so cool. I and mean, I think it will happen because you, people, you've come this far and everything just keeps. Yeah. But even yeah. if you look at the seventies and eighties, like there would be those strips where bands would play like, and you yeah. need those kinds of communities of music that they kind of died out, but I think people need them back. 
Yeah, like the Sunset Strip and CBGBs. And, you know, if you that's I'm totally like CBGBs doesn't exist in New York anymore. And I think, you know, if I ever got some some people with money, I was like, you need to take that name and build that place again and make it for indie artists. Like what it was like the Talking Heads and the Ramones and Blondie. That's where they came out of. They came out of that club and it was a small club, but it really, you know, journalists were there. You know, guys from Rolling Stone were there and they would see these bands and they're like, wow, you know, you know, when they were, we first see the talking heads and first see uh, all these early, you know, in the, you know, like the Ramones when they first started playing. And that to me, the people need to have that type of club, you know, to be. Yeah. Able to- it seems like nowadays there isn't that kind of connection. I mean, it's almost like people will get signed to a record label and the music's just there. You don't get to see the like music live and then whoa holy shit did you see they've blown up or whatever it's it's just you get bombarded with music that's already polished there's it's either up here or down there's no like space or or there's no building blocks kind of thing going on yeah i mean you get these like uh you know like in in my zone on soundcloud you get like you know the, the electronic experimental musician like you know i'm a progressive electronic you know which is kind of a more expansive sound you got guys that were doing what I do, like in Berlin and in Iceland and the Netherlands and these little weird spots all over the world. They're into the kind of thing I'm into, but it's like hard to get. Like there are clubs in New York, clubs in Berlin, pl- clubs in LA that cater to like modular synthesis guys, guys who are doing like real stuff with real sense. But it's like, you know, 400 people, 500 people, 600 people in a club um, before the pandemic. And, and, and I just want that to kind of build that again. Because I think yeah. that that is where you, you know, the new artists, they learn on the road. You know, that's yeah, how you, that's very you true. build in all the great bands I love. They they built themselves from the road and then they got, you know, incredible. And then they then they got to the studio, and, you know. Yeah. And that, it's like what you said. And it, that is important, I think, for, for, for artists who are actually playing instruments. It's important to actually have that. Um for the producers that are kind of doing like a different style of music, maybe they don't need to do that. But for you, for bands that actually play instruments, I, I think we we need that. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's shit. Like if you just record and then you only tour afterwards, I mean, you should like get live, your sound live and also like live with your songs a bit. Yeah, my whole thing is like if you do everything on the grid, when you go to play, you're just gonna hit the button and jump up and down and go, "Isn't that cool?" <laughs> yeah, but, then, yeah. But but it's like if you have to actually learn, if you actually played your song track by track, over and you know recording it like an old school musician. By the time you're done, you you, you can actually tour because you know it. Yeah, and you don't have to just hit the button on the CDJ or on the MPC or on Ableton Live with a MIDI controller, and then you're locked into the groove. Then I even see like there are rock bands today that got so many backing tracks. They're oh, they're locked they're locked into their backing tracks and they can't really move. There's no freedom. Like, do you, do you know? It's so tr- it's it's so true. Like, you just stuck, and it's like it's mechanical. And it, yeah, cool, sure, you're hitting it, but then people might as well listen to the CD. CD. Yeah, yeah, I can just go put that into my iPhone, and you know, why would I go see? Because I'm I'm a guy that would go see all the Allman Brothers, right? And see Greg Allman on his Hammond B3 and Dickie Betts going off on a slide. And you know you get going to see Bootsy Collins and Funkadelic. Oh, I love Bootsy Collins. Yeah, and just seeing them like jam on stage, seeing a band like Funkadelic, like that is like the whole point of seeing Funkadelic. You could see them two times, two nights. You could go see them on Friday and Saturday, and the way they played those songs would be different. Mm. And it was worth seeing both shows. Today, I could see a band and like there's no reason for me to see two shows because they did it the same every night. You know, and I'm like it's not exciting to me <laughs> i get you it's just restrictive I... it, it's shit and we've played with bands like that and then it, they're like they're so bratty and full of shit and it's like dude you're playing to a fucking back <laughs> it's like payback like i'm not being rude what is the it? fuck and then they'll diss britney spears but it's like but you literally the are the thing. rock version doing okay, the same bye. thing she's doing it's like my, my whole point is like you know i grew and up she's just doing it better because at least she's fucking dancing yeah yeah, I mean, I grew up with bands like The Replacements and Who's Could Do and, you know, and even early R.E.M. I mean, R.E.M. were on the road. I saw them before they were big when they were on IRS Records instead of Warner Brothers. And oh. it's like, I loved R.E.M. when I couldn't understand Michael Stipe. 
but it, like I, I thought it was great on Murmur and Reckoning and all those records because it was kind of like this thing where he's doing this very musical thing and I really don't get what he's saying directly. But, but you it, feel it. It felt, and it was kind of like, because I'm into jazz and stuff, it didn't matter to me. It's like, I don't care if I don't understand exactly what he's saying. And then once he started to enunciate more, like, okay, it's cool. But I kind of like the old REM when I didn't understand <laughs> <laughs> his lyrics are always strange like cryptic like yeah, very cryptic. like a koi in a shallow pond in a frozen pond oh, yeah, and like, like a goldfish I, in a bowl yeah yeah it's, it's i don't know his stuff it's really cool stuff that i, I really yeah, like it's really cool yeah it's, it's just it, it was different you know and that's like the same thing with the talking heads you know they they come it was like there's still nobody really liked them they're like a very unique outfit can they come out of a post-punk but they don't, they're not really punk. They're kind of new wave, but they're not exactly new wave because, you know, they just had this weird style and, and it came from it, from African rhythms and dance rhythms. And then, you know, some punk type of stuff is in there and they were just all over the map. And to me, it's like, that's hard for bands like that to even be created today because like the A&R people look at it like, wow, where am I going to sell that? Yeah, yeah, that's we, a problem. We we always say it's tricky with music because we we are so influenced by all kinds of music, all kinds of experiences, and like to just try when people say, "Oh, what genre?" It's like, uh, this is really tricky. It's really difficult. Each yeah. song is different. Each album is completely different from the other. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I think that's why I try to you know go with this idea of expansive sound because I remember when I first started doing my podcast, people say, "Well, oh, are you only gonna interview electronic musicians?" I said, "No, just because that's what I do doesn't mean that's the only thing I'm gonna deal with." But that's kind of like the way the world is. They they assumed I'm only gonna talk to trance and EDM and trap, and I mean, I have people from I've talked to Nashville artists, artists from Berlin, artists from Japan, Australia, multiple genres. Um, because I, I really, my collection is that way. What I like to listen to as a fan, I, I listen to like pretty much every, everything. My whole thing is it can't be shit. <laughs> yeah. But see, but that's, me, why, that's, yeah. You would, that's why you're like a good musician because you, you're open to everything yeah. and it's important. So many people will be like, nope, I only listen to this. And you're like, what? But it's like, it's like only, uh, having a house where everything is green. Yeah. How, how do you appreciate any of the other colors then? Yeah, I think you get to be a better musician. Like if you challenge yourself and like, yeah, today I might listen listen to some Bach, and then tomorrow I might listen to some Johnny Cash. Then I might go listen to Wilson Pickett. And I, I thought go you were gonna say Will Smith. You yeah. know, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> hey, some of his music was pretty. <laughs> or maybe like when he was DJ Jazzy Jeff, and, and you know that stuff. Yeah, I probably listened to that, but uh, that's more old school. But um. Yeah, it's just, I think it's like as wide as you can, because even if you're not in that genre, you can learn. Exactly. I, mean, I learned from, from Dylan. Like, I think if you're a songwriter, you get to, oh, Dylan's voice is not Whitney Houston's voice. Yeah, well, it was never going to be that, right? But it's like, it's what he, how he delivers and what he says. Yeah. Right? And it's, it's like, if as a songwriter, you got to look at guys like Neil Young, you know, Carol King. You got to look Neil at the Young. Crazy- Neil Young has one of my favorite like lyrics of all time. Which one is it? Which was the the, it's the one where he says it doesn't it doesn't mean that much to mean that much to you. Oh yeah, he's he's brilliant. I mean, he's he's got a different a- aspect uh, of he's kind of like Dylan, but but he he comes at it in a different way. Um, he's, he made the Canadian background, but he's got this he's got an interesting kind of hippie esque kind of concept. But then he's one of the first punk rockers. Like crazy, I know horse, it. Yeah. crazy horse is like a punk band, and they just totally can go out of control. And and he he doesn't care if he's singing; he can do a perfect pitch Nashville stuff. And then when he gets into crazy horse, he can go real punk. And I, I think, dig it. I think it's important to have that um, like balance. And even yeah. look at him when he, because they considered him like a folk singer, Neil Young. And then when yeah. he picked up an electric guitar, all, all that the shit he talked, but he was like, "Fuck you, I'm gonna still do it. Rock and roll will never die, baby." Yeah, he do this kind of grunge stuff. You know, he's doing this kind of like Kurt Cobain inspired grunge power stuff. You know, that yeah. he, he could do as good as anybody. I mean, people call him like the father of grunge because of like mm-hmm. Pearl Jam and Nirvana. You know Eddie Vedder and, and Kurt Cobain, they they loved Neil Young. 
they talk about being inspired by by crazy horse oh well look at his lyrics he was a storyteller like he writes some of the saddest lyrics you've ever heard in your life and that's fucking grunge yeah that's what it is it's like he he can do it in such a great way but i am kind of hitting the top of the hour so i loved having (laughs) and uh it's it's just awesome to have you guys on we will give you all the links for this so everybody can uh, see the permanent versions um within an hour i'll start sending you stuff but yeah, it's great to have you guys on. We, we, Thank we, you for open, having us. Thank you very, very much. Open invitation. If you want to do the Peg Festival in February, let me know. That's uh, awesome. Thank you. And uh, thank you guys. Everybody w- get to the Soap Girls website. Go to the link tree. Go to Spotify. Go everywhere. But also anywhere you can buy their material, buy it. Download it. Favorite it. Playlist it. Like it. That's what thank you, you. Do. thank you thank you very very much we honestly i i don't realize or oh, wait i don't think sorry that people realize how much of an impact they have on the artists that they like um like you just even the support like and people loving your music and people pressing um play on on spotify like it really does help thank, and thank you. you also for giving artists a space to, like seriously yeah. thank you Thank you. And I'll, I'll talk to you guys again. I know I will. Especially when your new album comes out, coming from here. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. This is Josephine Electric, the lead singer of Phantom Electric Ghost. And so Newsly, it picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them back to you in a natural human voice. So for the first time in history on the net, the web becomes listenable. Uh, So they have, um, you can browse articles and topics and choose what you want to have start playing, stop scrolling, start listening. They also have podcasts as well as you can explore trending podcasts from 40 countries. Our podcast, The Fam Electric Ghost Show with uh, Phantom, is over here too on Newsly. So download the Newsly app for free now uh, at www.newsly.me. So that's www.newsly.me. And um, use that link in a, on the podcast. And you use promo code GHOST2021, that's GHOST2021, and receive one free month premium subscription. And as, uh, when you're at it, listen to the Anchor podcast on uh, Phantom Electric Ghost, where we interview independent artists from around the world, and um, you get to get a window behind the music of independent artists that you might not normally listen to. Thank you very much, and thank you for listening to Fam Electric Ghost and Josephine Electric.